It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll right get now, through it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, we're getting back to the uh, campaign trail after uh, taking a break yesterday for Armchair Politics. We've been interviewing uh, ward by ward the candidates that will be on the August 3rd primary in the city of Flint for Flint City Council. Today we turn our attention to the 7th Ward, and uh, joining me now by phone is uh, the incumbent, the current uh, 7th Ward City Council person who's running for re-election, Monica Galloway, and uh, as I mentioned, she joins me now by phone. Good morning, Monica. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm going to, I've been starting these conversations with various candidates from the, the different wards around the city pretty much the same way because there, there are some that are currently serving on the council and some that are uh, running again or for the first time. And, and I'm going to ask you a variation of the same question because you've lived through it. The city council has a reputation for um, not working very well together with meetings that run into the wee hours of the morning and uh, very often don't complete the agenda items even with all of that extra time and um, I I guess the question is uh, why would you want to go back 
<laughs> well, I think that um, it, it's like anything that you do, Tom. When you work a job for General Motors, if they mandate overtime, you know, you this is what the people elected me to do. And so I'm committed to serving this community. I, I love this community. This is where I've lived and, and raised my children for the last 26 years. My children have gone through um, the Flint Public Schools. Um, I have a grandson. And my heart is here at the city. And so until the people decide that I'm not the representation that they want, then I will continue to serve the community. And the thing that you have to realize about people that change, resistance is a part of change. And regardless of what is happening, if people that have a true heart for a community begin to give up because there's opposition, there are barriers, there are uncomfortable scenarios in which you find yourself in, you will be a quitter, and I'm not a quitter. Before I quit, other people will quit that are hindering the progression of what is best for the community. Is running a little different this time, Monica, with uh, after having gone through and maybe still going through the, the pandemic? Um, is, is Yeah, well, one of the things that's different is, um, you know, I know people get out and knock on doors, but people are very uncomfortable. You know, I, I, as I started to, to do that, I got people that, you know, have you had the shot, you know? And so that was a little different for me. I'm used to, you know, knocking on the doors, talking to the residents, whereas this time, you know, I did submit to flyers to tell them about me so that people could be in the comfort of their own homes. And, and get the information. They can Google. They can, you know, find all kind of information now um, through the Internet. And so that that is the difference this time, as this being my third time of running for an elected office. Monica, we've never talked about this before. Uh, are you um, pretty tech-savvy, or was it kind of strange adjusting to online meetings? No, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say tech savvy, but I, I am enough. And because I find myself a part of um, different organizations, I'm a trustee for the Michigan Municipal League, um, the Michigan Black Caucus of Local Elected Officials. And so I have a lot of organizations that I'm a part of that already use this technology. So before the pandemic, we were already using that because you're part of organizations that touch people all over the state of Michigan. And so, therefore, they already use those forums, if that makes sense. Sure. There's, um, there are at least uh, going to be two new council people. Um, you have Santina Guerra, who's not running uh, for re-election. Herb Winfrey is not running for re-election, so there are open seats. So at least, there are going to be at least two new people on the council. Is is that a good thing, Monica, or is it a little bit disruptive? Does it take people a while to get the hang of it? You know, you know, people, you know, have their own ideology about that. When I ran in 2013 as a novice, um, in as a hindsight, you know, looking back, hindsight is 2020. I would have never. Oh, don't mention 2020, for, Monica. No, oh, I guess, you know what, I hadn't thought about that, right? But um, the reality is when I ran at that time, you know, I just really had this passion. 
And I realized at that time, though, it was a good time to be a novice. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Novice just means you're new to something. It was because we were under emergency manager rule. So technically, as much as you say it, city council had no true power. He couldn't do any we harm. Were ran, you know, <laughs> no, you couldn't. And so I had the ability, and actually it was through an emergency manager order where all of council, every council member, was required by uh, emergency manager order to complete the first level of education through the Mi- Michigan Municipal League Elected Officials Academy. And so if you didn't complete that first level, there was an increase in your pay. I think at the time we were making 7000 This would take you to 10000 But if you didn't do that by a certain amount of time, you could not get that increase. And what happened is I began to get that training through the league. And the more I learned, the more I wanted. And so eight years later, I've completed all four levels. And so I know what the legislative roles are. I would never, if what, what I know now, and, and to each his own, you know, we're coming out of water crisis, we're coming out of pandemic, we're coming into $94 million, um, people can do what they want to do, but th- th- it is a dangerous time to have people that have no legislative experience that don't understand the different roles of the executive body and the legislative branch. Uh, but that's just my own opinion. Monica, I'm glad you uh, brought that up about some of the challenges that Flint has had, because if you look back historically, you know, I'm and I'm talking 100-plus years, Flint has gone through some big changes and, you know, several times has emerged as a comeback city, uh, you know, changing... Uh, industries and and just reinventing itself but for the last several decades as you well know flint has gone through one challenge after another starting with uh, you know decreasing uh, jobs and uh, declining revenue for city government and the emergency manager that you just mentioned then the flint water crisis and and then the pandemic and, and so it just seems like bad times come along in the middle of bad times. Um, do you see going forward, um, is there an opportunity now for Flint to reinvent itself and become a uh, comeback city again? And how would that happen and what would it look like? So I, I, I think that one of the things that you can really say about the residents of the city of Flint is we are resilient people, and, and, and I don't know, people don't probably read biblical stories, but um, I just think about the children of Israel and the extreme oppression and the, the requirements. They were, you know, respe- responsible for making brick, um, but at one time their oppressors say, but make it without straw, and you can't make it without straw, right? It's very difficult. I think that Flint has been put in a situation like that where resources have consistently been taken away from us. And at the same time, we have investors and we appreciate investors, but we consistently have investors that come in and they need more from a community. Can Flint be a comeback city? Absolutely. Think about the fact that Flint was the incubator to putting the nation on wheels. Right, and yeah. so there seems to, and there, that was after that was after lumber and bicycles and cigars right. and a bunch of other stuff, and then all of a sudden it became this this huge industry. 
Right. And, and I say that to say the key is going to be taking advantage of the resources that are available to us. The Flint Promise Zone, people recognizing that their children that live in Flint can go to college, right? The reconnect program that the governor has just put in place, that if you don't have a trade or you don't have a type of a degree, you can go to mock college and different colleges and get your associates or get a trade. Why is that important? Because as much as we say we want economic development to come, we have to have a community that is ready for those industries. When those jobs come, we have to be prepared. General Motors was great. You didn't have to have the education. You could learn. Now there is technology. There are computers that are doing that work. And so our, our residents have to have the ability to critically think. They have to have the ability to be trustworthy. They have to have the confidence that says that I can do this. And so we have to take advantage of all of the resources that are available to us so that when these positions come into our community, we can get those jobs, Tom. And so until that happens, economic development, as much as it's wonderful, Flint funds a lot of economic development, but I'm not sure that we have a true measurement of how many residents that actually live in the city get to benefit from that. And speaking of residents in the city, are the needs in the 7th Ward different than the 1st Ward or the 3rd Ward or the 8th Ward? I would say yes, Tom, you know, um, but even in my community, right, there is a, there is a social class difference. People will begin to look at things different. Downtown has a lot of investment, but it's because there are investors that are invested in downtown. So downtown is going to see more. And then maybe the college cultural neighborhood would see a little bit more than that. And so then you have my other communities. Um, you got Evergreen Estates, Evergreen Parkway. So there, there, it, our challenges are different from the challenges that may be on the north side. But at the same time, when you have schools closing in our area, it changes the dynamics of our community. So we're fighting to build up our neighborhoods, do what we can. And so, yes, there are different challenges. There, there are even from trash being picked up. And so anybody that says that there's not, um, you know, you hate to say it, but I even had a resident that is um, a resident in the college cultural area, has businesses in Fenton, and said that in Fenton, her business can put mattresses or anything on the, on the curb, and Republic picked it up. She said, and I couldn't help myself but to think, is it social class? Is it different? And she's Caucasian. And she said, and I felt bad to think that. I said, you shouldn't feel bad because these are your experiences. Experiences, right? right? Your experiences can help you challenge whether or not you're seeing things through a proper lens. That's okay. Monica, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Because I want to talk I about can. some issues. Absolutely. And I, and I, we definitely need to talk trash. <laughs> oh, well, we'll do that. Among, among other things. And, and I'm talking about trash collection and not, you know. Yes, the usual absolutely. political trash talk. No worries. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. And if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the uh, incumbent in the uh, 7th Ward City Council primary, which will be decided Tuesday, August 3rd. She is Monica Galloway. And, Monica, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, Tom. Always a pleasure. Now, I mentioned before the uh, before the break that we were going to talk trash, and, and I don't mean the kind of political trash talk that people might think but trash collection because that's been in the news recently and you mentioned it uh in the last segment um comparing uh, the service uh, republic uh, provided flint versus other communities and i i guess i'm i'm just i'm, I'm curious because several candidates um on and off city council have talked about uh, the idea of bringing trash collection in-house, if not short-term, you know, in a long-term scenario. And I guess I, I'm just wondering, now that it looks like Republican or Republic, I, I don't know why I keep saying Republican. I but, do the same thing, Tom. <laughs> excuse me. Um, but it seems like Republic doesn't want the gig anymore. But but who do you think, Monica? You've been working with this closely. Who do you think should be collecting the trash in the city of Flint? You know what? I, I can't make that assessment, Tom. Um, there are a lot of things that have to, to be evaluated. I think it would be a great thing if we had the ability to bring that back in-house. Um, we would have to count the cost. We would have to find out the sustainability of it. We would have to find out if we had the manpower for it. And so um, for, for someone to make a statement without really, you know, counting that out, um, that that's a tough one. One of the things that the reason why I say that is we still haven't talked about the fact that we're almost half of a billion dollars in debt with our pension and um, other post-employment benefits, which is known as OPEP. We're not even talking about that. So there's a, a lot of other things that we really need to um, evaluate in making that decision. And, and I guess we, we should be talking about that because one of the reasons that Flint is so cash-strapped is revenue is going down, but, but the, some of the fixed costs, like promised retirement benefits, and uh, and other things that that have to do with infrastructure and so on, those costs are going up, or at the very least, staying the same. You got it. But but because we're you know focused on things that are important, but um, they're they're really the 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 minor. We're not really focused on the things that could the very thing that could put Flint in bankruptcy. This could put us in bankruptcy, right? And we don't even talk about it, except when we um, talk about the fact that we have a budget that was $17 million in the rear because of payments that we had to make to OPED in addition to some other things. Just recently, the um, Flint Police Chief uh, Green 
submitted an idea to the uh, the city council about funding a short-term experiment with using a uh, leased helicopter to patrol Flint. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is is there some merit in that, or is that getting a little? Is the chief getting a little ahead of himself? I'm not going to say anything about him or or anything. What no, I, I don't mean say, to say anything bad nope, about him, but the issue itself. Nope. the the problem the 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 concern not problem the concern is we want to make a three month investment time. That's the first thing that we need to say to ourselves. A three-month investment that is $300,000. And so you have residents that can't have officers respond to their calls. You have residents that can't get murders of their loved ones solved. And so, so am I saying that I'm not saying that this may not be a good idea, but is now the time where crime is at an all-time high? You're talking about three fatalities and one on critical in a 12-hour span. And so it just seems like maybe the priority might just be a little bit shifted to me. I think helicopters can be effective, but what kind of analysis are we going to get after three months? Good question, Tom. We've been saying we can't get police officers because we don't pay enough, and yet every year or two we negotiate the contracts of our police officers, and so when we're finding extra money, are we trying to invest it where we could pull? You know what I'm saying? And so that doesn't seem like a wide investment, wise investment to me, but I'm one of nine. It sounds good, but we're flint, right? You know, Monica, Why do there, we need to do that now? There are some people, or at least I've talked to some people who suggest that using a helicopter and in, in the spotlight and so on could be effective in breaking up groups that gather at places like and you know the places Club Sunoco and others um, but and and that that somehow that would make crime go down a little bit but the state police have a helicopter that they use to patrol Flint from time to time and I would submit that you know Things, the use of that helicopter could be studied to see if it's having an actual effect on crime statistics, and and then maybe use that in in determining if if a helicopter is something now or in the future that would be uh, useful and effective. Tom, do you want to run for council? No. <laughs> no, but but you make like up a my great job. point. But this is. This is community partnership, right? Yeah. Um, the, the whole basis of community partnership is I may not have the resources to partake in something, but you do. Can I fund a portion of what you're already doing, right, to, to see if this is beneficial? But I think that there's a disconnect, and we, we speak about um, – I don't, I don't, I just, it doesn't make sense to me, Tom. I don't have any further discussion on that. I, I just don't understand how that's, that's a good investment. Well, let's move on to something else. We, we were talking about in the last segment about the, um, 
Oh, some of the vitriol between uh, council members and the meetings that run into the wee hours in the morning and sometimes not meeting deadlines, not getting uh, through agendas and so on. And that's what people see when they look into the city council. But you're, you're in there, Monica. And I've, I've talked about this with members of the state legislature and, and even people from the, the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, you know, what we see is often the worst. Are there times when the council operates effectively that we don't see? Well, I think that what, no, I think what happens is people, especially the media, M Live, you know, the, the, when, we, when there is a council where other council colleagues leave the meeting and there's like five of us, business gets done rapidly. And so, but nobody talks about that. Well, that's that's why I'm giving you a chance to point to no, that. No, because and, and that's, I've had and that's legislators say, "Yeah, you see gridlock. That's what you see in the media." But every day we pass things and get business done unanimously. In some cases, well, but even in even in even in the meetings, you know, we have a lot of people that say things don't get done, but that's just not true. We have some meetings that go over, but many a times, even when it's wee hours, three to f- I've been up till five in the morning on a call that started at five, but everything got done, right? Um, it takes longer, and nobody wants to work longer to get the same thing done, but the reality is that's what happens. I do my best not to complain about it. I don't quit on the, con- on the constituents, and, and, but like I said, when there are certain council people that are missing and there are certain council people that still remain those meetings are effective and things usually move in a unanimous decision way and so you know it is what it is i don't i i I do my best to learn what my roles and responsibilities are tom i i do my best to vet the information that i deem necessary for me to make a decision and 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 the rest is the rest (laughs) why does it seem so difficult monica for um council members to um encourage better behavior on the part of of their colleagues and and manage to talk about things in a in a more civilized manner and I'm well, I think it's an old proverb. I think it's an old proverb. There's an old proverb that says, before you try to get the moat out of my eye, work on the one. And so we don't, and, and myself included, trying to do a better job about doing the best you can without attacking other people's opinions and or their position on something. In, in legislation, anybody that you're on, you have people that are for people that are against. One of the things of Robert's rules, it says that you should not base your speaking for or against to pit against what your colleague said. For instance, you've actually finished your speaking, but because you've heard something that I said, you have to come on and say why you're doing something, but part of why you're doing it is to say, and what she said is, you know what I mean? So once we get past um, some of that and just share why you're supporting it or not, 
period. I'm not supporting it because I don't believe bloop, bloop, bloop. I'm supporting this because bloop, 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 and then that's it. You're, 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 I mean, it, yeah, I, don't, I don't have but any that, answers. But that isn't, I've been there eight years. <laughs> Monica, that isn't a problem that just faces the city council. We see it you know, on social but media. But isn't it interesting, though, people act as though it is. You know, when, yeah, there, when, but when there's, we hadn't passed the budget, when we hadn't passed the budget, there's, um, there's there was this, an email that was sent saying to all of the employees, you're probably going to be laid off. We just need to make sure you know. Really? And on the state, on the federal level, how many times did we see where, I mean, in, in their case, people actually, they didn't pass the budget and people actually did not get checks. You see what I'm saying? Right, and right. I'm not saying that it's right. But I'm saying that don't try to make it seem like that that's dysfunction or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's well, just a it, difference of opinion. We live in a political climate where uh, a lot of times in political discussion, not just at city council, but in Lansing and Washington and around the country, there's this notion that, you know, I'm right and you're a moron. Well, and you know what happens is um, how many of us are tuning in to our state legislator meetings? How many of us are tuning into Congress or Senate unless the media is dead set like the, the, the CARES Act, right? right? We don't see what's going on. We hear about um, the, the, those that, that held out and, and they had a 24-hour, you know, so it, it is. And, and so we draw our own conclusions. And all you can do is hope that people educate themselves, um, find out, you know, what's important to them. And then exercise their, you know, citizenship right to vote. Yeah, we've seen um, government shutdowns and near government shutdowns in Lansing and Washington, um, and and just recently Flint was was held up for a little while on budget negotiations. But is there a municipal equivalent to to the the government shutdowns we see in Lansing and Washington? You said, say that one more time, what was that? Is there a municipal equivalent? I mean, is it possible if a budget isn't passed that the city would have to shut down the way we've seen happen at the state and federal levels? Well, well, yeah, that, that's always the case. But the reality is um, you don't have that when you have enough people serving on the, in the executive and the legislative branch to, to, to be willing to weigh out. It's interesting that even the budget that was passed for us, were things that were voted down by my colleagues. Amendments to the budget that was presented, Tom, were voted down when they were brought by the legislative branch because you didn't want the person that brought it, right? So it was a 5-4 no, only for the mayor to amend his budget to include two amendments that have failed the legislative branch, not supposed to have that, anything that fails dies, but in some strategic way, he was able to grasp those failed resolutions that normally take 30 days before they can come before the council again or be voted for a motion to reconsider. This, uh, that's a violation of council rules and the charter, and yet... Those two amendments found themselves as a part of the resolution for the budget and was passed by this council. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I so do. in essence, it didn't have to we didn't even have to get to the budget not passing, but the there was a decision that was made by the executive branch to do those two things that should have been passed by this council. And so my point is as a legislative body, people that are running for legislation need to not break the law. And so we see it constantly. And what I consistently tell residents and anybody that will listen, just because five people vote don't make it legal. It can very well be illegal, but those five people have to vote to have themselves investigated. And guess what's not going to happen, Tom? (laughs) So guess what? They just look right unless a resident takes them to court. What what are some of the things that you've learned during your tenure on the council that that inform you now to be a better representative for the seventh ward it just to to leave it in the the whenever i make a decision that is based on charter right to read that section of the charter in the record and then make your vote i've learned that um legislators can break laws And if there's enough of them to have the majority, that will never be challenged because those same legislators will be a part of the vote. And when you've got a nine body members that five of them require an investigation of some sort, if those same five are in agreement on something that is legislatively wrong, then guess what, Tom? (laughs) <laughs> it is what it is. Right. And so I've learned to make sure that the charter is the authority, not emotions, to be black and white unless there is some gray. Um, I've learned to um, be okay if you're on an island by yourself, if you know that at the end of the day you did what you believe was right based on what is legislatively your responsibility. And those are some of the things that I've learned. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the charter because it gives me a chance to squeeze a little plug here. <laughs> Back in July of 2019, Charles Winfrey <laughs> and Terry Banker, Paul Rosicki and I um, recorded the Flint City Charter. And uh, I have it available on a three-disc set uh, in audio form. If any- oh, really? Yeah, if anybody's interested, they can reach out to me at TomSumnerProgram.com or uh, on my Facebook page, and, and we can make a- arrangements. Uh, I have, like I said, it's a three-disc set, and it's the entire charter Um read in turns by the four people I mentioned. Um, anyway, enough of the plug there. Uh, let's get back to talking about uh, Monica Galloway, who holds the uh, seat for the seventh ward, and the primary uh, to for her re-election is coming up August 3rd. And Monica, I uh, when you're campaigning or and and i don't know how much feedback you're able to get you talked about you know putting a lot of stuff out in terms of uh, literature and so on but when you're hearing back from residents of seventh ward what are the things that they think council and and you should be working on um well i i have um both people that 
um, are saying, you know, you guys need to stop fighting. But then I get a lot of people that are, you know, saying, you know, we appreciate your, your stand for us. Even with the Republican, Republican, there we go again, Tom, Republic trash waste collection. Um, it wasn't about not giving them a contract. It was about the fact that they, they, they were failing this community. And there was no compensation for that failure. And um, when we think about the fact that um, the residents are, they want to see things done. We finally, I don't know if anybody knows, but those apartments on Lapeer Road were vacant for over 20 years. And we finally got those torn down in May. Um, the trailer park, people want to see steady change in their, the things that are affecting them, houses that are having parties all night. And so people are concerned about things that are affecting them every day. Of course, you had some people that said, hey, just vote for it. It doesn't matter what it is. And then you had some people, older people, that were saying, look, we need to hold out. This is wrong. We'll figure it out. Um, and so when you have situations like that, it's challenging. But um, I, I have a, a really um, supportive um, group of Seventh Ward residents. It's been an honor to serve them for the last eight years. I've met some amazing people throughout the state. I've learned so much. I can never, regardless of what happens on August 3rd and November 7th, 2nd, I could never go back to just being a resident that is just kind of, you know, going about time. I'll always be involved. There's so much to learn. There's so much that needs to be done. Our children are counting on us. And, um, and, and our seniors are as well. And so I'm, I'm in the fight for the long haul. As long as the residents will have me, um, I'm there. My guest is uh, Monica Galloway, who uh, serves on the Flint City Council from the 7th Ward, running for re-election in the uh, primary on August 3rd. And it's coming up in just less than two weeks, and I hope people will, will get out. People don't typically in off-year primary elections, but uh, hopefully people will take this as serious as it is and uh, and get out and exercise their vote. Um, Monica, we just have about two minutes left, and I always give guests, as you know, an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, about you and about your campaign and your work, past, present, and, and future. Um, Monica, do you have a website or a way that people can connect I, I, to you? I don't, but um, people can um, email me. I am currently the Flint City Council person, mgalloway at cityofflint.com. I serve you every day, regardless of whether you're, you know, it's, it's not about election. If you have a concern, mgalloway at cityofflint.com. If you have something that you'd like to know about my campaign, it's Mamlaka, M-A-M-L-A-K-A-H as in Harry, 2013 at gmail.com. Dot com. Um, my phone number is 810-955-9370. That's my personal cell phone for anything that you want to know about my campaign. For city business, it's 810-423-7332. I am available. I usually respond within 48 hours, and um, I will do what I can. My son is getting married on Saturday. Oh, congratulations. So I'm excited about that. Thank you very much. My one of two sons, my last son is getting married, and so I'm very, very excited. Well, Monica, it's been great talking with you. It has been a while, and um, and I look forward to when we can uh, sit down and talk again in person. 
I thank you so much, Tom. You have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. Again, the uh, primary for the Flint City Council is coming up uh, August 3rd. That's a little less than two weeks away. And uh, we're going to continue talking with candidates from the 7th Ward. But I want to say thanks again to Monica Galloway, who is the incumbent in uh, running for re-election. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources.
The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Summer Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my next guest is another candidate for Flint City Council. From the uh, 7th Ward, she is a challenger. There is an incumbent in this particular uh, primary, which is uh, to be decided uh, coming up in just under two weeks on August 3rd. Her name is Allie Herkenroder. She joins me by phone. Hi, Allie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I, I've i been interviewing all of the candidates that are running for Flint City Council. Uh, six of the, the wards will be... Um, on the ballot in uh, August, because in the other three, the 1st, 5th, and ninth, I think, um, there weren't more than two, and the primary decides the top two, and then they go on to the general. But I've asked all of the candidates um, in in one way or another this question to, to kind of start things out. With the reputation the Flint City Council has, for meetings that run over into the wee hours of the morning and not finishing agendas, not getting decisions made by deadlines. Why would you want to run for the Flint City Council? That's a million-dollar <laughs> question, isn't it? <laughs> well, and I don't mean to be so facetious about it, but, you know, it. there are no, some challenges there. It, it, exactly. There are a lot of challenges with Flint City Council. And, you know, this run is not anything that I've taken lightly personally, because at the end of the day, the people who don't benefit from agendas not getting completed, from, you know, discord that is just so awful and goes on until the wee hours of the morning, at the end of the day, it's our Flint residents and our Flint community that suffer from that. So one of the reasons why I really wanted to make sure that I um, was excited and ready to go to run this year um, was because our city deserves better, and we have the power to do better by electing people who are ready to serve. What did your friends and family think when you decided to run? Did they think you were a little crazy? Um, I, I'm not going to put words in their mouth necessarily, but I definitely did get a lot of, uh, okay, well, if that's what you want. <laughs> um. Is this the first time you've run for a public office? Yes. Yes, it is. And um, now that seems like it'd be kind of tough, especially in the in the wake or uh, throes of, of what seems like it may be an ongoing pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been very, very difficult. There's a lot of challenges with the 2020 races in particular. I mean, outside of COVID. I mean, I've been knocking on doors since February of this year, you know, with the mask. Allie, did you mean the 20, 
did you mean the 2021 races? Yeah, what did I say? You said 2020, but it's okay because oh, we all <laughs> lost a year in there. We did lose a year in there. That's all it was. That's why I'm not celebrating my 26th birthday because, you know, it happened in a pandemic. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, yes, yeah, sorry. So in the 2021 year, there were so many different challenges, especially because other municipalities, they converted their petition process to being one that was more virtual compared to something that was some. I mean, we couldn't do that in Flint. We just didn't uh-huh. necessarily have that infrastructure or that technology. So um, we still went door to door. We tried to put as many precautions in as possible because we want to keep everybody safe. Um, but it's definitely had its own challenges because you can't have nearly as much face-to-face time with people as you would like to because that's how you get to know people. That's how you get to know your neighbors. And that's how you get to know who's going to serve the community well. If you look back at the history of Flint, going back 100-plus years, there are these periods um, from time to time where Flint has had to reinvent itself, and it's always um, come out of that as a comeback city. But for the last several decades, it just seems like one bad thing happens after another, um, starting with job loss in the uh, in the 80s, which led ultimately to uh, declining revenue for the city government and, and emergency managers came along, then the water crisis, then the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Can Flint be a comeback city again, and how and what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, yes, absolutely, yes. I think as long as we have people in the right places to be able to invest in the city, you know, through local government, through different kind of business ventures, however that investment looks like, and it needs to be a multilateral approach, in my opinion. I think one hundred percent, yes. There was a second part to that question. What was? <laughs> yeah. Well, how would you how would you go about it? And I think you touched yeah. on that. But what would it, what would it look like? Yeah. So, like you said, you know, Flint has this history of reinventing itself. We we were, I mean, all sorts of different kind of industry. We have the opportunity now to be able to invest in yet another kind of industry. We know that technology is the industry of the future. We know that there needs to be manufacturing with technology. There needs to be engineering with technology. There needs to be, um, you know, warehouses created to ship and create and, you know, manufacture all of these different pieces of technology. Technology is not going away. In fact, it's going to become part of our lives more and more and more. What we have the power to do with the, um, with the ARPA money, with the Biden money, we have the opportunity to invest in our city in broadband infrastructure to be able to use it to leverage job creation as well as to minimize and mitigate um, crime and blight. Aren't those two things sort of at odds with each other? More technology and more jobs. There are some people um, across the country who say that as technology becomes more sophisticated and artificial intelligence plays a role, that there are going to be fewer and fewer jobs, and it's hard enough to get jobs created in the in the Flint area to begin with. Isn't that a kind of a double-edged sword it, it could be i mean if you it depending on how you look at it the way that i look at it is we know that for any kind of manufacturing industry whatever that may be it could be cup holders we know that there's someone who's going to have to 
be on the line and be able to help make sure that that product gets made. We also know that we need to have custodians in that building to make sure that the building is safe for our families and for our workers who are there. We also know that there need to be engineers to be able to design that cup holder. And we know that there need to be mechanics to be able to help if the line breaks down. So we have the opportunity to invest in technology and all levels of it and everything that that looks like so that we have um, more students from U of M Flint, from Kettering, staying in Flint to be able to bring their phenomenal brains that you know understand so many complex engineering things that I will never understand and being able to help bring back so many more jobs in an industry that is going to be long-lasting for the future. What is your background, Allie? Do you, um, what, if elected, what do you bring to the table? Absolutely. So my degree is in history and political science. Uh, my background is particularly um, in the community education model of the Black Panther Party in Oakland, California in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and I have had the opportunity to have a variety of internships in Washington, D.C., um, and in different parts of the state. So I have worked with education policy in particular. Um, very, very familiar with that and what that looks like. However, this isn't a school board race. Um, so, you know, <laughs> connecting that back to citywide government management, um, I manage a department with the Flint Housing Commission. So I manage, um, $250,000 worth of grant funding from the federal, state, and local levels um, for a variety of programs for our youth um, to be able to help support home ownership and then also to help um, with any kind of uh, aging in place for our older population who lives in public housing. Recently, um, the, the city council found itself uh, wrestling with uh, the contract for trash pickup with uh, Republic. Um, contract ran out, negotiations for a new contract broke down, they ended up with a temporary contract. Now it looks like Republic doesn't want the gig. And yeah. several city council candidates have suggested that Flint should work toward bringing it in-house. And then others say that that's uh, fiscally uh, not feasible. Um, at least certainly in the short term. Who do you think should be collecting the trash in Flint? I mean, I will say that I'm in the same camp. I, I really think that we have the opportunity to be able to have our own municipal garbage collection service. Now, do I think that that's going to happen in the next two, three years? Probably not, because we need to look at the numbers and we need to make sure we need to make sure that it is going to be a fiscally responsible decision for the city because, you know, garbage collection is more than just the truck. It's the person. It's the mechanics. There's so many of these different layers underneath any kind of government decision. So being able to look at the uh, financials, any kind of projected costs, any kind of, you know, changes in inflation and wages or anything like that, we have to make sure that we're being very, very critical when we look at this to make sure that we aren't actually sending ourselves into um, a deeper debt. Um, by doing something like this. More with City Council candidate Allie Herkenroder from the 7th Ward. Old-fashioned radio 
for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. You pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.